Hi, welcome to Gay Can Do. I'm your host, Bernie Kyo. And today I'm very excited to be talking to executive coach, Derval Baviera. Well, I'm delighted to have with me here today, Dervla Baviera. Dervla is a leading leadership coach specializing in conscious leadership, team development, diversity and inclusion, and individual and group supervision. I've known uh, Dervla for a number of years now, and I've asked her to come on Yay Can Do because we were both saying that we would love to talk about what's going on for people at the moment. Because the post-pandemic, still in it slightly, return to office, you know, trying to get back to normal life, is uh, turning out to be quite tricky for a lot of people, including myself, to navigate. And uh, yeah, we just wanted to talk about it and see if we could offer up any possibilities to manage this time or to embrace this time or have a different perspective or to learn from this time and to use it going forward. So Dervla, you're very welcome today. And the first thing I want to ask you is, is this something that you're noticing as well? Are you seeing in your work and, and, you know, in your life, but in your work as well with your clients, you know, what's going on for them? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Bernie. And I'm so happy to be here with you today and to be able to, to have this conversation with you. Um, and absolutely, look, as, as a leadership coach, it's coming up in so many ways. And I think I really started to see it, the impact of, obviously there was COVID for the last couple of years. Um, but in terms of the impact on that of people beyond working with it, a lot of burnout towards the back end of last year, people were showing up exhausted, just exhausted, both mentally, physically. It was a very intense period. And I kind of thought, you know, January, people might reset a little bit, but it has really come through. And the types of things that I hear again and again are, you know, the demands are relentless. It's just, it's never ending. The pace is so fast, whether it's customers or or stakeholders, you know, there, there's so much. People are, are asking for so much. And, and I think that we've moved into this zone of hyper productivity. You know, I think it's, it's a bit of a, a hangover from the last couple of years that, you know, we weren't face to face. There weren't those coffee cooler conversations. There was back to back Zoom calls and people were getting a lot done, but it was a different doing. And and now we're moving forward into something else and we're still maintaining this intensity of of hyper productivity companies and economies have performed extremely well considering everything that's gone on but there has been a cost to that and i feel that we're kind of we've moved into a yes 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 zone we seem to have lost the capability to manage boundaries to manage expectations the economy is strong and um, the pace is fast you know in coaching we speak about the the term vuca we live in a world now that is volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous and so some people might resist it you know and earlier on you said you know going back to normal i always say to people we're not going back to normal we're not going back we're going to forward we're going forward to something new um and i think now the question for for us all is to figure out how we show up into this 
into the space that we're in, in terms of demands and pace and how we ground and center ourselves. Yeah, I think you're 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 bang on there, Dervla, in terms of that uh, sense of burnout and and hyper productivity. I know that in terms of some of the discussion about the return to the office, you know, certainly in a more traditional leadership structures, there's a sense of, you know, we want you back. That's where our culture happens. We need to see you and, you know, and it's for productivity reasons and as well as culture and connectivity, obviously. But in actual fact, you know, when I have talked to people about a return to the office, even those that, you know, are very senior with teams um, and, you know, they, they they have uh, relative flexibility in terms of, you know, office requirements, whether it's two days a week, one day a week or a couple of days a month or, or whatever. You know, their primary concern, I've noticed, is not a loss of so-called lifestyle. You know, um, it's uh, it's the concern that the organization will have the same expectation of the same level of productivity as they were able to produce working relentlessly from home or remotely, you know? So, um, which is just not feasible, neither desirable in fairness, you Mm know, Uh, given that, as you said, there's, there's a, there's a high cost to, to pay. And what, what do you think that cost is in terms of burnout? It's interesting to burnout. Even, you know, this morning I was working with a group and and we were, you know, still primarily working from home and there is a bit of isolation. I think it's that relentless nature. That's the word that's coming mm. up a lot at the moment, mm. that it's relentless. It's the back to back calls, um, you know, and people not even saying let's, you know, take five or 10 minutes between a call who says we have to have, you know, an hour, 60 minutes for every meeting. Um, it's it's the intensity. It's the it's the nonstop. It's always on, always accessible. There's. When we think about it, there's been huge benefits in terms of flexibility, you know, in terms of working. If you have things on in the day, family or walking the dog or going for a walk, whatever it is, um, and work, you know, you might be able to start early, finish later. But I think we've we've moved to this kind of always on piece that we have to be always accessible because we're not physically present. I wonder if we've moved to kind of a proving that, you know, I'm here, I'm available, I'm producing, I'm delivering. Um, and with that comes that sense of, of being always on. And I think that you're right. When we talk about productivity going forward and to move away from this, this burnout piece, we can't be hyper-productive and hyper-collaborative. You know, and as we, as we go back into the office, even thinking about what is the best use of our time? And, you know, if we're trying to be all things all the time, if we're going into the office to behave in the same way as we were at home, so into the office, you know, working on our, you know, on our computer, producing a report, et cetera, is that the best use of that time? Or, you know, is the focus on in the office about doing differently? It's about engaging. It's about speaking, chatting, you know, collaborating, not just collaborative working sessions, but connecting because that some of that burnout came from the lack of connection, the conversations, you know, even in Zoom, you might have a bit of chat, but it was quite surface and mm. we missed some level of connection. And so in the office, when we go back, um, yeah, it's that balance between that's okay to connect, to chat, to collaborate. Yeah, I think we may have lost the art of that a little bit over the pandemic mm. and uh, and 
bizarrely, the one of the first things that I noticed about getting back into more social situations, particularly, um, say, larger group uh, mm. situations, um, you know, which, you know, and Bill is, as maybe networking, you know, dinners or galas or or different things. I've just been to a couple. And uh, and what I realized was that, in, you know, in, in parallel to the joy and the sheer joy of meeting a stranger and having a chat, you know, um, there was also um, a sense of being very quickly exhausted, mm-hmm. you know, and because of just haven't been used to that degree of socialization, yeah. particularly yeah. within a setting where, you know, it's largely, mm. you know, people I don't know, you know, yeah. and that's what I've been hearing, you know, that, that the people have been very, very kind of almost high meeting, going back in, meeting their colleagues um, mm. um, uh, in the office, but that it's it's very very tiring you know mm-hmm. and um and and then still this 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 drive to to be productive as you said you know and and i'm just wondering if that's a little bit addictive that always on peace you know because obviously um working culture and i've been reading an awful lot about this in prep for 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 a talk that i'm giving this month um in the us um you know the one of the, the 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 prevailing things about modern kind of working culture and in, in, in corporations at least is is the sense of uh, almost like you know to prove that you are um, a good employee to prove that you're really hungry mm-hmm. that you really want and you know to to and have ambition that you there's almost a level of self sacrifice required mm-hmm. um, a willingness to put the needs of the organization first a willingness to take on additional projects a sense that one must always say yes for fear of being seen as a naysayer you know a a reluctance to speak up because if you do you're not loyal you're not embracing the Mm -hmm. you know the cause the purpose the whatever and um i'm being a little facetious but only just a little because this is what's coming up in the research you know Mm -hmm. and i think that there's this kind of prevailing notion that burnout is is down to the individual, you know, but all the research shows mm-hmm. that it's environmental, you know, and yeah. it's almost inevitable um, if it's sustained, you know, if that kind of hyper pace mm-hmm. and productivity and expectation is, is sustained over long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, Bernie, what you're saying about whether it's, you know, is it down to the individual? And I think at the individual level, yes. We have to be conscious of trying to manage boundaries and not saying yes to everything. Are we focusing on, I love Greg McKeown's work. I don't know if you've ever come across it. He talks about essentialism and the disciplined pursuit of less. And, you know, by saying, what can we, by saying yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Mm. If we're saying yes to more work, are we saying no to, to whatever, to, to family, to our well-being, to, you know, even to our physical health. Um, and I think, so at an individual level, there are things that we that we need to do that, that, that we can do. But for me, when I look at it systemically, really into the system, mm. I really I think, you know, that a lot of the work that I'm doing and the work that's that's pulling me more and more is around this conscious leadership notion, you know, working with leaders saying I don't have time to think I don't have time to, to think strategically, creatively. You know, there's so much there's so many demands. But I think that there is a large onus on leaders to role model 
and to, to, to take on this where we are at the moment and think about how they're showing up into this space. And I do hear some leaders increasingly, I wonder, is there a cultural difference between the States and Europe? I suspect that I think that there is a little bit in terms of some of that intensity. But even here, you know, some leaders talking about, look, I'm making sure I'm putting in place a Wednesday afternoon, meeting free Wednesday afternoon, or, you know, we're having core hours for our you know, team meetings so that people have, have time to, you know, to do things. Um, am I creating space? You know, when you're asking about burnout earlier on and what is the main thing, it's this constantly being asked, you know, people that are literally almost in tears in a coaching session, you know, mm. at senior levels going, it's just, there's no let up. There's a constant stream of, you know, leaders are putting in, you know, organizations are putting in places, well-being programs and mindfulness lunchtimes and, you know, the various supports to support this but at the same time the demands keep coming and and it's systemic you know how do we shift that and I think the you know for leaders to really think about how can I help my team to create a little bit of space and and uh, you know and, and manage some of those buffers some of those demands moving away from yes 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 maybe it's yes but not right now you know we can get to that next week which is a fundamental shift you know when customers come and they want something well of course we want to to give them, you know, what whatever service or project is that we need. But if we don't have, have the capacity, and I think, Bernie, as I'm speaking about this, I'm thinking about the other piece that's going on in the system is the great resignation. I'm hearing a lot of people and organizations saying the demands are many, the pace is fast, and we have less resources because of this whole phenomenon of the great resignation. It's so hard to hire. People are leaving, and so the t- the people that are that are left are still, you know, expected to to deliver, and so really struggling under that as well. It's a complex system we're living in at the moment. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, it is. It is complex, and I think long before the 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 great resignation, um, I think that organisations have been getting leaner anyway mm-hmm. and um and i've you know in 15 years of uh, recruitment and consultancy i've really really seen that through you know iteration after iteration of you know restructuring and people having to buy for you know with their friends for a smaller number of jobs and and then you know everyone else been left to to to, to manage the same or more um quantity of work and so i think that is a real challenge but i i do think that what has been lost over the years as well is the ability to to set some boundaries um within the working day for example and and that, you know, I think it's become increasingly difficult. And obviously there are, you know, there, there are variations between cultures, et cetera. But as a as a trend overall, I think it's there's there is this increasing expectation of being a yes person mm-hmm. and um, and a sense of, you know, take on this, do this, do this additionally and but but without then that that buffer of being able to say okay i'll take on this but the implications from a current workload or that are this mm-hmm. and therefore you know in you know there's these 
two other things are real priorities. So I'll focus on them. But that means that this won't get done for Q1 to Q2. You know, this will have to be pushed out to next year or this you'll have to find another project owner for that. I believe it is increasingly difficult to have those kind of mm-hmm. conversations. And yet without them, you know, we just keep getting more and more put on top of us. Mm-hmm. And then it's 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 ultimately becomes quite, quite overwhelming. And, you know, typically you might this see, see this down the, the ladder, you know, in the middle, middle managers or, you know, or younger people. But, but what I've noticed, and you did refer to it earlier, is that very senior leaders, you know, are struggling to find mm-hmm. time to think, mm-hmm. to, to, to be strategic. This has come up time and time again mm-hmm. for me. Um, to prioritize important conversations with their teams. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so what does that point to, Dervla? Like, is it just this crazy system that's kind of self-perpetuating? Do you think it's it's relative to the, the CEO style and, you know, the very top down? What, what What's your view on that? It's complex. I don't know that there's, I don't think that there is an easy answer. The more that space can be creative, that from the top down, the messages are being given. That's important that, you know, that that leaders are role modeling, working within certain parameters. And I think at any level, yes, there's an onus on, on leaders, but coming back to the individual level, one of the things that you were speaking about there, those conversations about boundaries and managing boundaries and managing expectations are fundamental. And actually listening to you, thinking we, we can't lose them. But I think part of what's happening is because there are so many demands, people don't even have the capacity. We're in kind of firefighting mode all the time. Exactly. And to be able to have those conversations, it requires individuals, leaders, everybody to be coming from a place that's, that's a little bit grounded, centered, that you're in flow. And one, of, one an exercise that I very often use, I use it myself and, and with clients, uh, very frequently is the Eisenhower matrix. You know, when you're thinking about what's urgent and important, urgent and not important, um, and then important and not urgent. On that important and urgent piece, a lot of people are like, but of course I'm there. Everything is urgent and important. It all has to be done now. But it can't all be done now because, you know, we just can't. We have to be able to prioritize. And so when we can step away from looking at, you know, looking at what we're doing, what we're spending our time on and our energy. Is it, is it the right things? Are we in firefighting mode? Are we reacting to things? Or are we taking the time to think about what is important, but not necessarily urgent? Mm-hmm. And the more we can move away from trying to create that space, move away from being a busy fool, we can be more not in control, but more proactive, more engaged, more taking the reins on how we're spending our time and enabling ourselves to be brave enough to have those conversations to influence upwards. Say, if I say yes to this, well, then it's no to that. You know, which is it? But it does take an amount of of bravery and courage to step in to manage those boundaries. And if you are fearful for your career, what will this mean for me? You know, will I be looked over, et cetera? But I think if we have that that strength and belief in our what we're good at, our strengths, you know, the value that we're delivering, the you know, the value that we are to our organization, to our team, and come from a position of strength, we're more enabled to have those important conversations. Yeah. 
Yeah. So so what I'm hearing, Dervla, there is is trying to carve out, I suppose, in the day and probably ideally at the beginning of it, um, but maybe then at other points, almost like a meeting with yourself mm-hmm. um, where you are taking the time it's to consciously consider, you know, those key questions, as you said, what what's urgent, what's important, what can wait. And um, so it's it's almost like intentional leadership. It's it's personal leadership in a way, in mm. terms of mm. determining the, the areas of focus uh, on my day. And I think key to that is is managing one's diary, isn't it? In terms of you know the meetings that determining which meetings one really mm. does need to be you know attending because one is either you know a contributor, significant contributor or decision maker at that meeting. And then, um, um, you know, deciding which meetings, you know, I can be mm-hmm. informed of or receive the minutes or, and I think that actually uh, that the technology has facilitated that to a certain degree mm-hmm. um, because town halls and various significant meetings are being recorded now, which is affording people the opportunity to perhaps catch up with uh, with important meetings without necessarily having to attend them all at, mm-hmm. at, at the time. So there is that sense. But I also sense that, you know, so that personal leadership piece in really advocating for yourself and um, the time and the space. Mm-hmm. And it's not like ours. It's just, I suppose, the discipline of even 15 minutes every day, you know, to, to consider what's important. I, I've simplified it even for myself now is that, you know, generally speaking, I'll do a big to-do list because um, I just need to get stuff off my out of my head and onto the page, you know. But then I will look through that to, to identify, you know, what what's urgent. And then I will ask myself, simply what matters most Mm -hmm. because actually key to how I live my day is not just what I you know what I Mm -hmm. produce in work you know it's not just work related and uh, and often I will find at the end of the day that if I've done the things that mattered most that there's a sense of balance and achievement and um, uh, Mm -hmm. in conjunction with you know progressing certain things in work and, and that just gives me that overall kind of holistic sense of, mm. of a bit of balance even through a very busy or or, or mad period um and I love the, that yeah I love uh, the, that sense of really what matters most and and I think it's also important to look at our mindset and some of the work that I do I love to prod and poke a little bit yeah at people you know we kind of have a narrative of what's important and and what matters. But when you really kind of dig into that a little bit, um, you know, when we're looking at what's maybe what's urgent and not important, some for some people, they're so busy, sometimes we're driven by other people's urgencies. And we mm-hmm. can spend much of the day because other people are asking for things and we're prioritizing other people's needs all the time. If we ha- if we tend to be more of a people pleaser or a rescuer type of personality, we're going to meet other people's needs. And then very often things that we need to get done are being pushed back. And then often that's the thing that ends up, you know, getting done in the evening. So we really need, I love what you're saying about what matters most, looking at, you know, both holistically in terms of work and, you know, and life as well, but also looking about at whose urgency are we being kind of, you know, a busy fool. There is a bit of taking the reins, as you say, that personal leadership, personal responsibility 
of our time and and really looking at it, you know, almost strategically. And, and something that you were saying there about is at the beginning of the day, sometimes I work with clients on what does flow look like for them? You know, so across mm. the week, I remember somebody saying to me, do you mean, Darla, we should block out time in our diary? Well, yes. And it's up to you. There isn't a right or wrong time to do it. I think, you know, the end of the day, the beginning of, of the day are our natural pieces. But often if you look at kind of your flow during the week, when are those fixed meetings? Maybe it's your team meeting or, you know, whatever it is, lunchtime, mid-morning, et cetera. And then finding those spots in the week that you tend to have a little bit more space and then being precious about that and maybe blocking that off. It could be a Monday morning. I'm not going to even look at my emails until 11 a.m. because I'm going to set myself up for the week. And then is it, is it you know, holding some time midweek or at the end of the week to close out and you know, to do those other things? It's really about that taking the reins and, and owning your time and not giving away all of the power that we have. And often people feel, well, we don't have any choice. But if you roll it back and say, what is possible within, you know, how I spend my day and my time and my energy? Yeah. Yeah. So that speaks as, 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 as we were saying to that kind of really conscious and reflective piece. I also think it's really important, Derva, that, um, that teams, you know, and leaders and their teams mm-hmm. really come together and 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 talk and communicate about this as 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 we're going through it you know mm-hmm. i know and i believe and i you know i've read the research and i I've, I've heard about the investments that company are making companies are making in well-being programs you know and for me my concern about that is that it's you know it's a it's a, a tick box exercise actually not even that it may well be very sincerely driven by a concern for for employee welfare um, in general but it's never going to be a solution to um defining with your employees um a better culture you know that works for them that allows them to 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 get work done to have time to think to have time to produce as well as collaborate you know and be and be in meetings and I don't think that companies necessarily need to bring a whole load of experts in in order Mm -hmm. to figure this out because employees and teams are their experts in their own needs, you know, Mm -hmm. and just creating the environment where, you know, this can be openly discussed, perhaps facilitated, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, and, 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 you know, openly what are the challenges of this culture you know what are the things that need to change and I remember back to um, my very the very early days of my career when I was in uh, Irish distillers and I was working in the Jemison International brand team um, which was just a fabulous start to my career great people and great business and um Great learnings. And, and one of the things that the, the director, uh, brand director brought in at the time um, was a um, he got the team working on what he called um, an OK behavior um, manifesto, if you like, you know, mm. and that um, was something that the team workshopped through. Mm-hmm. In terms of determining, I suppose what wasn't working and what what needed to change, 
within the culture of the team and also, um, you know, it was aspiration in the sense of how we really wanted to work together as a team. And, uh, and everyone in the team, right through, because I was very junior at the time, um, got to participate in those workshops. Mm. Um, I can't remember the team size at the time, maybe around 30, 40 people. And, um, and to inform and have a voice and have a share in, in the creation of that manifesto. And I can tell you that that was applied very, very seriously. Mm. And what it meant was that even as a, a junior person, um, when being asked to do stuff by senior people that, you know, that was particularly urgent or required, you know, you to react, be very reactive in the day, you know, you, you, you were empowered to say, you know, look, that's not on my list of priorities according mm-hmm. to, you know, that's not what I've agreed with my manager. And um, so can we talk about this at least, you know, or can we take it to, to my manager or can we, you know, see, right, understand the implications of me taking on this and what 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 won't get done or will be delayed and then make a decision together whether this is really really you know a priority or whether I'm the right person to do it you know and I and I know I can hear you know some senior people are you know going oh my god you're going to have to negotiate asking you know everybody to do everything but it wasn't like that because people were generally very willing to help and that has to be you know part of the, the you know whatever the values are of the team you know have obviously have to be articulated and lived by as well but it but it was empowering it did create a sense of um ownership of one's time and um and leveled the playing field in terms of 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 managing that so so i really do think that you know the onus is not on leaders to figure all this out on behalf of their teams Mm -hmm. the onus is because as we've seen they're suffering just as much as their teams if not more because you know, no one's minding the leaders, you know, and uh, but 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 I think that a lot can be done and a lot of a lot of um, good can come from that kind of effective leveraging of all the ideas and talent within the team to resolve this pressing issue of, you know, cultural, you know, ways of working that that enable well-being and enable great work. And, and success and achievement, because what's certain now is that a lot of that hyper productivity and burnout is 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 very counterproductive to mm-hmm. the the results that organisations are are trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I think, Brenny, as I listen to you, there is there's there's a move, and and the, you know that leader from earlier in your career. You were moving away from command and control as, you know, as a style of leadership, right? This is what it is. I still hear pockets of leaders going, you know, you must be in, you know, whatever it is. um, You know, this is what we think is best. And as you said, that sense of leaders having the right answer. And I think there's a real shift towards, um, you know, very inclusive leadership to trusting, um, you know, if, if we can't, you know, trust the team to make time to listen. And what I'm seeing now is, as we move towards this hybrid, which is you know, coming more and more, the very first sessions that are being organized is everybody's in for a day. And we're going to, in a way, we've got a blank sheet in terms of crafting how this future looks like. You know, if we're in for a couple of days and out at a team level, listening to people, it's a beautiful opportunity to, you know, not go back to what was, to make the time to listen, to engage. And this is the moment to do that. There's lots of organizations 
who are looking at and not even at, a, at an organizational level or saying at a team level, because what's right for one team mm-hmm. isn't right for another team. Are we going to have a core day, you know, that we're in? You know, I've heard of people going back into the office and going, well, I went in, but nobody else was there. And if the point of going in is to collaborate and connect, we need a little bit of discussion around what that looks like, what the expectation is, you know, when we're in the office and having that open, inclusive, trusted conversation, which as you say then is, you know, it's it's more empowering, more, more on board. Whereas, you know, I think when, when there's, you know, more of a, and onus on this is and listen, I think I'm quite hopeful. The odd time you hear organizations saying, This is what we're doing, you know, you have to be in four or five days. The majority of organizations and leaders that I'm working with are saying, look, we're going to try something for the next few months. We're going to see how it goes. We're going to have an approach, we're going to discuss it, you know, and see what works, but then keep a watching eye and we'll have to pay attention to what's working, what's not working. We're going into a phase of transition that we don't know the answer. Nobody knows the answer. Nobody knew what the answer was to hybrid working, you know, what it was two years ago. And so that's going to be emerging. And and organizations, and I would say the conscious organizations and conscious leaders are open to engaging and co-crafting what this new way of working is going to look like. And who knows, there's ideas now, but six, 12 months from now, you know, we don't know where we're going to be and what's working well. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going back to five days. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I I I doubt it, uh, Dervla. Um, and I think that you know, you're right to say that like to be hopeful and positive about this time. I think it's a really exciting time, actually. Like we're going through this, all going through this um big giant social work experiment, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh and 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 in terms of attitude one and and this is both sides of the fence both you know employees and leadership teams you know must adopt a sense of of flexibility um uh, you know and cooperation and and this sense almost like of of co-creating or co-designing um almost like prototyping new ways of working you know and i and i think that's exciting and i can understand that that might be threatening for some older you know or or it's a, traditional I mean styles of of leadership and because there's a sense of no longer having that sense of control and you know and and you know the familiarity that comes from from things uh the way things were and have always been but when you when you consider it um like that nine to five model, which doesn't exist, but the 9 a.m. might still exist, you know, it, you know, it, it belongs to another era. It doesn't reflect the way mm-hmm. people live, the way mm-hmm. people work, the way people, the, the, you know, the evolution of, of, of technology. And it, it doesn't, it's not very diverse or, you know, inclusive, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and there's the possibility of doing things very, very differently. And like anything new, it all has to be figured out and practiced mm-hmm. and piloted and adapted. Um, you know, I think Tim Cook, um, the CEO of Apple, really got that message right in his his own internal email to 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 the Apple um workforce, you know, talking about a graduated return to to the office and then the flexible you know, hybrid option that they would adopt and trial thereafter that, you know, we'll just see how it goes and we'll learn and we'll adapt mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now that is messy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is messy, but a lot of good can come from this. Mm-hmm. A lot of good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just increases um, 
people's ability to work um, from anywhere. Um, you know, it might end the great kind of urban rural divide, you know, regenerate certain rural areas. You know, we've seen that in Ireland, at least. And uh, um, and then just allow people almost to, to you know, live their life and, and, and have time for make time, at least for mm-hmm. some important things like sport, like family, like other, you know, creative opportunities activities outside of that mm-hmm. and still be engaged in a very good job and 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 you know and one that 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 aligns to their their purpose and and gives them a lot mm-hmm. of fulfillment mm-hmm. and how fabulous bernie will it be and i do believe that we will get there there are some companies who are playing with the idea of you know this this idea of nine to five right yeah, it's not about it going forward. It's not necessarily about the hours. We need core hours that we can, you know, be in contact with with people. But it's a it is about outcomes. It is about results. And I love hearing about organisations now. There's one organisation working with really looking at what if we were to move to a four and a half day week or a mm-hmm. four day week without reducing anybody's salary, without reducing, you know, output, revenue, productivity, etc. But can we think differently and do differently? And, and, and there are increasingly, there are pockets of organizations and leaders that are looking at this as a model. Is it possible? Can we make it work? Maybe it's four longer days, but actually then we have, you know, a three-day weekend. I think that's really exciting that, you know, the people are starting to, to think like that, to play with it, how this is our opportunity to craft and to co-create a new, a new way of being and a new way of, of working. You know, we're not all there yet. But yeah, but I think yeah. it's fabulous that some people are starting to look at that. No, and and I think you know it is Dervla, and I think it's a it's a kind of a moment of truth. I think for 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 leadership everywhere because we have uh, you know I've just been writing this um, for years. You know, leaders have been saying to their people, "You need to be resilient. You need to be adaptable." Mm-hmm you need to embrace change. We need to be willing to innovate and do things differently. And this is the moment when they are asked, being asked mm-hmm. to role model that, to, yeah. to walk the talk, so to speak, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I can understand that, that that can be challenging for them because to a certain extent, what's the point of being a leader? Like if you can't, you know, if you're going into an office and you have no team. Um, I can understand because I Mm -hmm. I had the same challenge uh, Mm -hmm. in my last leadership role. Uh, um, You know, that on a human level, you know, once, you know, climbed the ladder, done the graft and, you know, Mm -hmm. that there's a certain energy and gratification from having one's team about oneself, you know, and uh, rather than manage that on individual conversations or having to, you know, in a hybrid way Mm -hmm. or or on Zoom. But I I really do think it's a moment of truth for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you you cannot be, you know, call yourself an innovative leader or, you know, a progressive leader or, or, um, pertain to to work in a, in a progressive culture that is open to innovation etc if you're not willing to embrace this opportunity to trial and, and, and prototype stuff yeah yeah and this this is a moment and you know some of the work that I'm passionate about and I feel sometimes I'm advocating and we're not there yet but to be that leader it is so fundamental to create that time to, to press pause to stop to think because we can get if we're so busy chasing running 
you know, delivering and not creating that space. And I think you're, you know, you're, you're an executive coach as well. Sometimes the power of coaching, it is about, you know, practical outcomes, but sometimes it's that space for a leader to, to step back and, and to think and to reflect and, and maybe turn inwards for a moment. And for me, it's again, coming back to being grounded and centered as a leader and as, a, as, as, as an individual as well. And, um, you, you, you probably know, Bernie, you know, I ran, I ran a retreat and I'll be doing it this year as well for conscious leaders. It's, you know, a couple of days and people are like, oh, I don't know if I have time. And the first couple of hours still checking emails and gradually just letting it go, creating, you know, a boundary around a small amount of time, allowing themselves to think, allowing themselves to resource themselves, to turn inwards, check in with themselves and coming out of it as a much stronger leader. Mm-hmm. from a resourced, grounded, centered place. And I think that's part of what's missing today. For, you know, everybody giving themselves permission to press pause for a moment in order to be stronger, clearer, more creative, more innovative, whatever it is that we need yeah. to be. We can't as, do it without as, resourcing ourselves. Yeah, as you said, Dervla, more grounded. You mm. know? And one, as you know, I'm doing a master's in, in psychotherapy and one of the, I've mentioned this before in a previous podcast, but one of the uh, uh, the, the developmental theories that we've been studying recently is, is not a well-known one. It's called psychosynthesis. And one of the, uh, I suppose, the core concepts of psychosynthesis is that we ha- can access within ourselves this mm-hmm. self that observes mm-hmm. all everything mm-hmm. that's going on you know if we take the time if we press yeah. pause you know and um and and that you know but but too often we're we're we're, we're caught up in our stream of consciousness mm-hmm. whatever we're thinking whatever we're feeling and and we overly identify with that as if that's us you know if that's me mm-hmm. you know if i'm overwhelmed then i am overwhelmed Mm -hmm. instead of there are feelings of being overwhelmed you know upon me at the moment almost you Mm -hmm. know and that if I can access that self which which is called many things you know but it could be the the um the the silent uh, the the observer you know Mm -hmm. and uh, so are the self that witnesses that Mm. is witness to to those experience that it enables me to create this degree of separation from you know, my feelings, my thoughts, my stream mm-hmm. of consciousness so that I am no longer, you know, the stream of consciousness, but I'm separate to it. OK, mm-hmm. which then empowers me to disidentify a little bit mm-hmm. from those feelings and to. Imagine other possibilities, other ways of being, other ways of mm-hmm. thinking, other ways of feeling, you know, yeah. and um, and it's very simple, but it's I think anyone who's done any of kind of meditation or you know reflective practice or whatever can see that 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 that's what that experience is like when you can really hit that pause and ground yourself within mm-hmm. and um but i the reason that i'm mentioning it here just as a technique to mm-hmm. anybody that is feeling overwhelmed uh you know or would like to practice that sense of creating some kind of in 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 of groundedness and degree of separation from with separating themselves from what they're experiencing to to who they really are, you know. Mm-hmm. And and for any if I could come to that, I hadn't heard of that term um, 
psychosynthesis, wasn't it? And we, yeah. we spoke about it last week and, and it really resonated over the weekend. I've, I've been thinking about it. Mm. And even, you know, myself at a, at a personal level, last year, like I was seeing with my clients, was a really busy year. My business had grown significantly. Mm-hmm. I had really, you know, I was growing in, in new areas, doing new things, really, you know, brilliant. But like many people, I was pretty burnt out and, and, and exhausted at the end. And in Q1 of this year, I intentionally created more space. I tried to practice what I preach. I knew to be the coach that I am or that I want to be, I had to resource myself first in order to be that. And then, you know, there's, there's loads of things that I want to do and go forward and um, in terms of new work and continuing to do some, some exciting work, especially around this conscious leadership. And I love this idea that we go forward and then we almost have to come back a little bit mm-hmm. to let it ground, to let it settle. And, and when we were speaking about that, I was like, that's exactly the process that I have been through myself. And now I'm, you know, now over the last while, you know, coming forward again, but I had to create that space. I didn't know the term for it. Yes. But you come out more reserved, let it settle. We can't keep going. You know, we talk about peak performance, but we have to recover. We have to build in that recovery time. We, it's unsustainable to be at peak performance all the time. We have to allow ourselves to recover. Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually, you know, that that reminds me of um, of this whole area of sports psychology mm. and, um, and and high performing teams. Uh, actually, I was at the Pendulum Summit last week and um, Sir Steve Redgrave was was talking and he's the Britain's most decorated Olympian gold medalist in, 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 in rowing. And one of the things he was talking about was that compared to his time, they have brought in a lot more specialists uh, into the team uh, mm-hmm. training the rowers, and um, and uh, um, and that that um, allowed them to an enhance perf- performance, but also that there was definitely more recovery time built mm-hmm. in nowadays. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that notion of recovery is essential to to business mm-hmm. and to good, strong, mm-hmm. productive working working cultures. So, mm-hmm. Dervla, I'm conscious actually. <laughs> That time is running out, and that we both have commitments following <laughs> this. So, in terms we can't of continue you know, yeah, you can't do impossibility, and you know, yeah. what what have we anything else to add, or have you anything to add, just in terms of that? That is, you know, that useful practice, you know, to or to people who are a feeling that a little comes, bit overwhelmed. Yeah, there's a term that comes up: is to be intentionally attentional, being intentional about what we're paying attention to, taking that, empowering ourselves. The system is complex. There are many demands and we can, you know, flow into it. But how can we step back to take the the reins a little bit? And that starts with resourcing ourselves to ground and center so that then we can maybe have the conversations, whether it is boundaries, blocking out time, you know, prioritizing more effectively. But I, I do believe in terms of possibilities, starting with taking the reins on ourselves and then giving ourselves permission to, to tweak, to make small changes, maybe challenge our mindset and engage in this conversation. We are in a period of flux. There is no answer, but there is an amount of unsustainability to the way that we have been. I keep saying to the way that we've been working. I keep saying to people, you know, something's got to give mm-hmm. and we have to figure that out, you know, as a system, leaders, as individuals. 
how do we how do we flex and how do we work with what is emerging? How do we craft the future way of working? Yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely, Dervla. And what's coming to mind about that is that being challenged at this time is not a sign of weakness. Mm. It's not a sign that you're failing. It's an actual, entirely appropriate response mm-hmm. to yeah. you know the, the 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 this period that we mm-hmm. we find ourselves navigating which has been extremely challenging on many fronts for a mm-hmm. number of years now for people so you know just to 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 bear in mind that that if there is a certain amount of pain or conflict or that that is maybe your system's response to something that is mm-hmm. actually genuinely challenging and therefore appropriate but to look then to see within your day even you can't change your culture overnight you may need to determine that you know that 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 you need to you know find maybe a culture which which will allow you to do that whatever but in your day that if you've resourced yourself as you said you can make Mm -hmm. positive changes for you at least in Mm -hmm. in that day that's brilliant Thank you Thanks. so much, Dervla. Thank you. I'll definitely be having you great. back. <laughs> and uh, your contact details so will be available on the the you know the various platforms. So if anyone is interested Thanks. in talking to Dervla for leadership coaching or supervision or team development, please do contact her. Thank you Thanks so much, Bernie. It's been a pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Bye bye.